Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm Michael Houle, along with Steve McVeigh and Doug Rutledge, and we are excited to um, share another episode today. We have been talking about a lot of topics regarding the current world we live in, which is like everything you hear about, right? But today, when we're in the middle of a tornado, in the middle of a storm, today we thought at a certain point, the storm is going to pass. So what do we do when the storm passes? When the tornadoes come through and knock down all the mobile homes in your area. I don't, I'm don't. i from an area of tornadoes. I think Michigan is and maybe Kansas is too. I, I'm using tornado references because that's what I know. And all the mobile homes are wiped out and the trees are gone. And you have to come back and you have to deal with the reality. When the storm. So... When you're looking at it as a church, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I think we're really talking about today a little bit of regathering, a little bit of uh, restoration. Uh, it's a little bit of everything when the storm passes. And so, Steve, when we think about that, what does that look like, like in the context of a rural community? Well, you know, that's it's just a great topic for us to think about because, first of all, this season is for now, but it's not forever. I mean, that's, that is hopeful. I mean, last week we said, hey, it's going to be five months. It's going to be a while, but it isn't going to be forever. And so what we'd like to do is just take some time and just think through, what do I need to be preparing for? I don't know when, but what? What should I be preparing for? And I just want to just, I just want to tell you where I think it really starts. And it, it starts with my heart. I, as a pastor, I have been criticized. I am tired I have had people turn on me during this time. I mean, it's, it's been a rough, rough time. And now let's say that for whatever reason, you know, the, the COVID season is passing, we're coming out of it. It's safe to regather and have worship services, but people have said things, people have done things. We are not the same as we were. Our relationships have changed. And, and so I think it starts with the pastor's heart is because what we're going to have to do, I mean, let's just be honest, what we're going to have to do is sort of like what they did after the Civil War. And I can't find this quote anyway, anywhere, but Abraham Lincoln, I, I remember this vividly somewhere, Abraham Lincoln said when he talked about the South, he said, treat them as if they never left. And the first step that I think congregations are going to have to do is, is the pastor is going to have to forgive those who left, those who said things, those who did things. That pastor is going to have to love them and model what it means to be a forgiving person, because we're going to need forgiveness. And 
Are we coming out of the Civil War? Maybe. But guys, think about families that were torn by the Civil War and then they have Christmas after the Civil War. What the, there's there's going to be, that's an extreme example, I, I think. But man, we, we're going to have to love people who, mm. who did or did not agree with us on mask. Maybe they voted for the wrong person. They, you know, they, they, they said difficult things. I, as a pastor, I think it has to start with, when, when this storm begins to pass, the pastor is going to have to, in a very open way, love and forgive those who, in a very open way, were critical, mean-spirited, said the wrong things, did the wrong things. I think, you know, I think, Steve, you're entirely right on that. And the pastor's heart is hard. You know, I've had people that have said harsh things to me before COVID. We've all been there. But the rapid pace of people saying things. And, and we can, when we can model that, it takes people who have hurt each other and they go, all right, I know what my pastor's been through. I understand that. And he's able to forgive. Maybe, maybe there's something to that. And I think you model not just for people who are in your church, but outside your church. You're, you're modeling for your whole community. And, and I think we're in a stage right now and in a season where forgiveness is, I think, the key thing. And to check our own hearts. And that means we have to go to Jesus with it. We're going to have to go to Jesus. Because here's the deal about forgiveness. Um, Corey Tannenboom said this once. I love it. He goes, I can't forgive anybody on my own. I need the power of Christ to forgive people. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. I need the power of Christ to forgive people. And I think for all of us, we, we need that. So, Pastor, I think when you do this, you need to be able to lean in. To Christ in this and lean to the Holy Spirit and, and hear his still small voice say to you, it's okay. Because he had to forgive yeah. all the time. But that also leads to, I think, what we talk about, the word we like to throw on in church that's so important is the word grace. You know, Doug, I think grace is such an important thing. Yeah, I, well, grace comes from a couple things. Number one, realizing that I'm forgiven by God and, uh, and th- that I'm a recipient of grace not because I've earned it or I'm more deserving, but because I'm 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 the chief of sinners. Uh, so understanding, and I understand why people are responding as vehemently as they as they are. Uh, I mean, at some point, you just want to take a punch at something. You you just want to hit something, and you know, one more bad announcement, and you're hoping, oh, maybe the football season will come out, and you want to, but it's not the same, and there's there's nobody in the stands, and you can't get to a game or what, whatever that is, or uh, you know, whether it's, I need to understand that people really want to punch at something, and the pastor actually is in a place where he gets punched. But it's not really a punch thrown at you as a pastor. It's more a punch thrown at circumstances we can't control. And I think this culture of grace, this is what we're discovering. I've said this all along, that this season of dissension has revealed who we are as believers over and over again. I believe this is just revealing who we were. We're going to church because we like it, not because we're committed to the tenets of faith. Mm-hmm. We we uh, like this pastor as long as he agrees with us. We like the worship as long as it's not too loud or it's hip or whatever. And we're contentious people. We're hard-necked, stiff-necked people. And so Peter Drucker said this, he's, and I love this quote. He, he said, the culture eats strategy for breakfast. And when we try to reason our way out of this, 
we are only saying we're going to try a temporary trend. We talked about that last week. We're going to try something that's a fix on a problem that actually goes to the core of our nature as believers. We need to preach into, speak into, develop the culture of grace. It's almost like we need a season of a season of grace. We just like this is a grace period. You know, like where the government will say, like your all your all your like we need a year of jubilee. We need we need to say to our congregations, all of us said things. There's all sorts of things to release, all sorts of things to forgive. This is a grace period. This is a year of jubilee. Come home. Even if you know you said the wrong thing, you need to know you're welcome back. We, I mean, and it starts like I, you know, I, I started with the pastor's heart. It starts with the pastor. Do you want that person back? But then you have to say to the congregation, and, and I say that seriously, you need to pray until you do, by the way. I mean, pull out the big book from AA, pray for them 21 days in a row until you get where you need to be or 14, whatever it is. I haven't read that book in a while, but I just, you, we, we have to have a, and I, I'm trying to decide, do we call it a grace period or the year of Jubilee where all debts are forgiven? Come on back. Let's start. Let's, let's restart. I mean, that's what the gospel is, right? I think the grace culture that, that we're talking about here, I mean, and culture does eat everything. And so understanding what type of culture we are putting in place, you know, one of the things that we were talking about here, is there's an assumption and, you know, pastor, as you check your heart, you're going to have to then check the culture of your church and check the culture of your community. And it's going to be countercultural. I think grace will be countercultural. Jesus is countercultural. And I think actually when you start offering forgiveness, when you are a, a person that has forgiven yourself because it's been undeserved, you start showing that culture of grace. That that You start to weave it in, people will start to sense it. And, and, and you're inviting them back into something with, with no strings attached, which is, I think, the big thing of grace. Grace is no strings to it, other than that we accept it freely from God. And I think that that comes through in so many of our stories of life, doesn't it, Steve? And I, I was just thinking about some of the things that we go through. And unfortunately, so often it has to happen with the reality of a, a true death. And I think we just really work through those things. I, I just think about some of the funerals I've been through and things that were graces extended in families that have been come apart. I just uh, watched the movie on Netflix, Hillbilly Elegy. If you got a chance, it's well cool. done. Not as good as the book. I think the book was better, <laughs> way better than the movie. It's a little um, dark, isn't it? The, the, yeah, the it's a little dark. A little the, dark. Book, the movie's a little dark, but there's some realities of connection and coming back into community. Yeah, and so just like to think of this, just sort of like I'm a, I like logical pro progression. It starts in the pastor's heart. Then we preach it. We create this grace period, this year of Jubilee. And what I, I am already seeing glimpses of hope in is in a rural community, there are these community events. Sometimes they're weddings, sometimes they're funerals, maybe they're, you know, they're different kinds of celebration where community is together. And so this last week, and, and I'm going to try to tell this story without, um, you know, because a lot of people will, if, if you're from our church, you're going to know some of this story. And so I want to be careful, but, but we had, we had a, a really tragic death in, in our congregation last week. The funeral was just a couple days ago from when we're recording this. And we, we are just like every other congregation. We have people that feel very strongly about things like mask, about things, you know, like uh, whether or not we should be having service or not, whether or not we should require mask, all that kind of stuff. 
And, and those, those opinions work their way into the community. I mean, because in, you know, we're, we're in a town of 28 people. Our closest town is a town of 800. Guess what? You can know all those people. And, and so we, we had had some people in our church even that found themselves on the opposite side of some of these issues. And things had gotten a little sideways. And then we had a, a death of someone that we, we cared for, that we as a congregation have cared for. And, and we ended up with people that were musicians that had maybe not completely agreed with each other. And I'm being very gracious. This is my gracious period right here. But, mm-hmm. but we, we ended up having to come and do a musical number together at the funeral. And you know what? Those are people you loved. I mean, yes, you disagreed with them, but that love is still there. And what we saw was in that community event at a time where all the things that we have disagreed about in a way got swept away. Here we are at a funeral and that coming home, that grace period, the power of the gospel, because listen, both sides of whatever disagreement that we have out there, both sides are Christians. They still love Jesus. And once you get down to that level, like once you've like in your heart and in your mind, you know that grace is there. And so we saw some people, we don't know the story. We don't need to know the story, but we saw some people that were on different sides come together and pray with one another and cry with one another. And we begun to see the peace that comes from the love of Jesus. And so I think we as pastors need to maximize those, as we create that culture of grace, take advantage of those opportunities to bring people together when, they're, when their guard is down emotionally so they can reconnect. If, if you've done enough weddings and funerals and life events, you realize that people say the dumbest things and do the dumbest things <laughs> during times of stress and difficulty. So they go to a funeral and they fight over the wrong stuff. And, and I think it comes back to that. You know, we, we're looking to punch at something. I'm mad that somebody died. I don't think it's fair. I'm really mad at God, but I can't say that because I can't do anything about it. And I think, you know, weddings are the same way. I'm fighting for a position where I'm standing that that I can't be seen by the can oh, wait, whatever. And I, I do think that we see the best and the worst of people's behaviors in life events. And this is a life event. So we're going to see the best of people, people reaching in and delivering love and compassion in unique ways. And we're going to see this as the worst of, of things that people can do. And I, you know, I, I just wanted to jump in life events, pros and cons, but that's just us living. And that's where Christ lives. And, well, exactly. And I think you, you hit what I was going to say, too. I've been to many funerals and I always tell people, especially the closest people of the person who passed away. I'm like, people are going to say dumb things today. Mm-hmm. They're going to say dumb things because we don't sit well in the silence. We, we're mad. We're scared. Um, most anger sits from something else. Most anger is fear based. And in reality, for us, those life events are a chance to be the light in the darkness, yeah. a chance to have the opportunity to offer hope. And what hope leads to is usually restoration. See, the, the, the great part about the church is it's, it's in the restoration business, it's in the resurrection business. And I think we take those life events of weddings and funerals and, you know, I don't, birthdays are harder right now. Weddings and funerals are the most common thing we're still getting together for. But there's going to come moments and opportunities. Um, I want to share a quick story real quick about a 
that happened to us. It wasn't even really a funeral. And we're going to lean back into. So a few years ago, our Girl Scout, our Girl Scout troop here in our town was cleaning up a side, doing that cleanup by the side of the road thing they do. Yeah. And they got a not highway thing. And they, uh, they were, a group of them were hit by a, a driver, hit and run. The young man was high on meth Whoa. and muffing. And he knocked out and killed uh, uh, five people. Hmm. And it was just a horrific event. And the interesting part about that is when we became the light in the darkness, it drove the churches in our community together to work together. We did a grief and gratitude service, which was didn't make sense to people first. Why are you doing the gratitude part? Well, we're, we were grateful for the people that showed up, like the EMTs, the police, the fire. We went down the list of things that had happened that people had stepped up. And we, when we, of course, we still grieved. And I think we're in that same spot today. I think we're in a grief and gratitude moment. And that's where grace comes in. We involve the life events. So like your heart, your grace culture, and then the grief and gratitude, the reality of each life event, whether it's even a funeral or a wedding, because mm. I'm soon to be a father. The bride, Doug, has been. And I know what that like. There's going to be tears going on the aisle for me. I'll probably ball as I walk my daughter down because there's a, there's a there's a excitement and gratitude for all of it, but there's some grief of you know of letting go. And I think mm. for us, we have to let go. And, yeah. and if we can let go of the of the hatred, the anger, and say we have more in common than we do apart. And I just want to finish this one thought. Steve is in a different denomination than I am. Doug is a different denomination than Steve and I am in, and we have. We agree on way more than we disagree on. Yeah. And we, we get back to the church. We get back to the, the reality of who Christ is in our lives. We can realize that we're way more unified and more way more together than we think. So, Doug, what were you going to say to that? Yeah. So this is really interesting. I think life events is powerful and it's important. I was uh, reminded of something that uh, my pastor, a friend of mine, Emerson Egrich, said. And uh, I was younger in the ministry, and he said, look, a minister actually proves his worth to a family by doing great weddings and great funerals. And I will say, uh, he said, because if I, I become their pastor when I bury someone, I become their pastor when I marry someone. And I think this is an opportunity for pastors to be there during COVID. We're on the front lines. Uh, I was explaining that many of our pastors in our RCI have been diagnosed as positive with COVID. And, you know, the truth is we understand we're stepping into the fray. We're taking risks. We're around people. And, um, and it's, it's important to do this life experience thing well. And we plant the good seed by doing what we do as pastors well. I love that. I, I love that the good seed comes when I'm being a good pastor, a good shepherd, and I'm just loving people through difficulty. That's so true. And I think that's it. That's how we're throwing good seed. And by the way, when we plant seed, we don't always know if it's going to land on good or bad soil. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we have to then focus on the good soil. It's not just the good seed. It's the good soil as well. I'll tell people like the soil matters. Yeah. And, and I think in reality for us, as you say that, you know, Doug, I think it's so true that we need to focus on that and planting that good seed. And, and so maybe Steve or Doug, you can address this. You know, what does that look like for a, a, a local rural pastor right now? Like what does good seed look like in a time of COVID? Yeah. So, I mean, so I'm like, I have this weird mind, I think in its logical sequences. So we've talked about, it has to start with me, my pastor's heart. Yep. I have to extend grace. Then we, we have a grace period 
And then we use these life events that come along and, and we use those to build that grace culture and, and to plant the good seed. Um, here's, here's the reality. The, the reality is, is that there are some people who aren't going to come back. Mm-hmm. So planting good seed is also about looking forward. And so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm planting good seed in my community. And, and so what, what I see is loving people and just staying strong during this time and continuing to try to invest and bring new people in. I mean, that's, that's part of what I do. That's the next step as I'm moving out of this, as the storm passes, I've regathered, I've built the grace culture, and then I'm going to have to replant. I mean, yeah. that's what, I mean, I, there, there's going to be, after a storm, there's some houses that have to be rebuilt. There's some gardens that are going to be destroyed. Yep. There are some people that aren't going to come back. Mm-hmm. But in the words of someone I quoted, Doug Rutledge, can I quote you, Doug? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you built it the first time, you can build it again. And that's so good, Stephen. And I think that's just a word of encouragement. I think that's from God today. So there's moments in these podcasts where you realize like, it's not us talking. It's I think it's the word from God. And yeah. I think that might be one of them. And I think it's so true that, you know, I, we just had a tornado um, just north of us uh, about a year ago and just wiped out an area, a little smaller community, Chatech, Wisconsin. And it just, just devastated a community. And they had to rebuild. And some of the spots they had to rebuild that couldn't be the exact same spot. It's just this, mm-hmm. the, the ground was no longer good because of mm-hmm. whatever had happened because of the destruction. And I think what Steve is really summing up really well is sometimes we have to look at where we're planting now. And and, and, and we're not trying to be, I don't want to put a positive spin on this because it's tough. I'm not trying to say like it's mm-hmm. going to be easy, yeah. but there's an opportunity to rebuild. And and maybe just perhaps as, as the Israelites were lost in the wilderness, maybe God is doing something new in the wilderness for us. Can, can I speak just, uh, and I, again, I can hear the cows coming home on this, so I do want to, but I, I have this interesting side note, the Christmas season, and I read about Simeon's blessing to, uh, to Mary and Joseph, and I was just reading that because it was interesting. He says this, he says, this child, meaning Christ, and I think for pastors to understand, Christ is this. So he says, this child, this child, Christ, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. And I'm telling you, pastor, if you are feeling pierced to the soul because of the division caused by whatever decisions or stance you have to take, you're in good company. It was a blessing to Mary and Joseph that the sword would pierce their soul too. And that deep, profound, grief over the suffering of your flock and they're scattered that's from god don't rue that or feel entitled to good feelings we come under a different kind of weight when we recognize that god has is using this and maybe the division i hate to say this i might be way off but the division might be god sifting us as well And and as and bringing up Christmas, we're you know I don't know how you said we celebrate Advent in our movement. I mean, you know, even though we're a non-traditional movement, we we celebrate a lot of the traditions. And as we sit in Advent right now, and we head into the week of peace, and 
what that looks like for us. The reality of Advent is you're sitting in the darkness waiting. I mean, that's what the whole point of the Advent wreath and the light. Like you're in the darkness waiting for the Christ light mm. to be lit. And I think maybe we're, we're sitting in the same boat. And, 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 and through things, good. there's this expectation of something that's going to happen. And we've all been trying to share that, I think, through this, mm-hmm. is there's an expectation of something that's going to happen in the future. And we don't even know what all that looks like. We just know there's an expectation of it. And, and we're, I think what we've been trying to do today is say, hey, these are the things that are going to be necessary when that expectations happen. There was things for Mary and Joseph they had to do. When Jesus was born, they had to name him Jesus. Like, you know, there's like moments of things they were going to have to do in the early stages of his life. And I think that's what we're talking about. So maybe, Steve or Doug, you want to end us with a, a, a word that could um, encourage our pastors today or a word of wisdom. Because, yeah, I, I just, as we wrap this up, here's, here's what I think we're saying today. I want you to notice something. We, we believe that while we're sitting in darkness right now, and I just, I keep thinking back to last week in the podcast where we said, we're talking about months and I have to minister right now in these months of hard hardship. We will see a, a day when this passes. 100% of pandemics have passed. And what you heard from us today had nothing to do with your church building, had nothing to do with worship style, had nothing to do with outreach programs, had nothing to, those things matter and you need to pray through and find out what God wants you to do in that way. But what we talked about today was matters of the heart. Are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to create a culture of grace? Are you willing, even in those difficult moments, those life-changing moments of, of death or the celebrations of marriage to be graceful, to rebuild, to replant, to start again, to show that you truly do believe in a resurrected Lord who faced death and conquered it. We're going to face COVID, elections, divisions, and the grace of God can conquer it. And, and at that deep level, we're speaking to you. You will have some things you need to do. Our churches will look different. We will need to replant. But just hear from us at Circuit Riders, the Road Circuit Riders podcast today, that these are heart issues. It's time, Pastor, for you to lead with your heart. And, you know, we when we had planned this podcast, we had talked about ending with Proverbs 28, 26, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and, and use that, even though we sort of ended up going a little different direction. But those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. There's, there's a tremendous value of just staying close to Jesus during this time. And so, um, pastors, hang in there. Stick with it, but stick to the heart issues. So thank you, Steve. I think that's a great word to end on um, for this podcast today. Um, I think when you remind ourselves that it's not about us, it's always about Jesus. And I hope you have a great week, everybody. I hope the love and peace of God is on you. I hope you experience his joy. And I hope as you think about the storm passing, that you have the hope and expectation of resurrection. Well, this has been another uh, Dirt, Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. Um, take care, everybody. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, 
supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. Multiplyvineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.